Business and Buckets fam, we are live for episode 41, and we got quite a bit to talk about. Not a huge show, but it's a fun show, and we have a lot next week, as I'll be bringing my NFL season predictions to you guys. We got college football coming. We'll start talking college football every week, and uh, yeah, it's my favorite time of year for sports. Once football starts, everything else in the world goes round. Well, before I jump in and talk about the show today, talk about my San Diego experience, I give a little shout out. We do have to take some time to talk about my one and only sponsor here at Business of Buckets, Fueled Supplements. Do you guys have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up groggy, not feeling like you've even rested? Or do you toss and turn at night like I do? If so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back, the market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula. Knocked out is in stock with a new facelift, two new flavors, and an improved ingredient profile. Experience any unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula. You get superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You can fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. You can re regulate depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation, but it also decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset. It also increases growth hormone production. Two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improved with Knocked Out. Save some cash while you guys do it. If you're buying supplements, you need some help sleeping, check out fieldsupplements.com, but use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products uh, when you go to fieldsupplements.com. I actually use Knocked Out. I'll be using that tonight. Coming back from San Diego, just trying to get back into my into my routine, into my productive routine. And a good night's sleep is one of the number one things that controls my energy and just effectiveness throughout the day. Knocked Out definitely helps me do that as I could get a deeper sleep, more REM sleep, and I'm just more productive throughout the day. Thanks again, Josh Morn and Field Supplements holding it down. Well, before I talk about sports, I was going to start the show talking really in detail about my San Diego trip uh, and some it was just a crazy trip, lots of things that happened. Uh, but first off, want to get a shout out, uh, found out about one of my closest friends uh, passing away. I won't make this too personal. Just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, my, my guy, Denzel, I uh, actually was going to have him on the podcast for a sports show because he has such good energy, although he's not the most you know, knowledgeable person in sports. He does bring a lot of fun energy to the table and something that I thought viewers would enjoy and uh, be another, uh, a little bit of banter back and forth. And I even have talked about starting a Twitch channel to start doing like fighter companions where I watch the fights live. You guys could tune in, uh, just watch me be the crazy fight fan that I am. Uh, and Denzel is one of my closest friends for fights. Um, you know, he's pretty knowledgeable cause I make him watch him with me all the time, but we just had good banter. I think it'd be a lot of fun for viewers and sad that not, that never got to happen. He's also probably my biggest fan. He was one of the first subscribers, ride or die, listening to me every week, people helping people, supporting friends. That's what it's all about. Uh, but just one of the most genuine people that I know, one of the best energy people that I know. And I thought about delaying this podcast a little bit more, but I don't think that's what he'd want. He always wanted me to pursue my dreams and passions so that's what it's all about. But just a reminder, if you guys do have very close friends, hey, never know if, if uh, when some, someone's going to be gone, when life takes them away. Uh, this is a freak accident. So, you know, talk to your loved ones, talk to your friends, give them call for no reasons at specific times, touch base with them. You just never know when shit's going to happen. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, shout out Denzel. You are a real one. Uh, you know, the world's going to miss you. It's not going to be the same without you. Um, but yeah, so, uh, San Diego, pretty crazy trip. You know, I, I'm not going to go into as detailed as I was any, uh, before, but, um, got to catch a Padres game. One of my favorite stadiums. It's literally right in the city. The place was rocking. It was Phillies. It was Padres must win series for these teams. So a lot on the line, Tatis Jr. Just back a few days prior. And, um, I did some fun sports bets. I bet that the game would go to extra innings that the first batter would hit a home run, just very random prop bets, ended up cashing pretty good and paying up uh, my vacation, so you cannot complain about that. Took some friends afterwards. We got a cool rooftop bar, bottle service, and table after that, so really good times, but highly recommend going to San Diego. It's beautiful. 
You know, it's known as one of the best places to be. That's why it's so the cost is so high. But I met the most genuine people I'd ever met. I flew out there by myself. A coworker and his girlfriend were in the area um, for his birthday weekend because he's from LA. So he went to the game with us. And a coworker I've never met in person since COVID. Uh, he lives in San Diego now. So um, he hosted me and it was just really cool. And when I did go out to places by myself, I met really cool people. They were very welcoming. They were willing to invite me out and take me out. Uh, so highly recommend going there. I mean, it was just a really cool experience. Uh, very quick trip. Beat me up a little bit. Um, but yeah, if you can catch a Padres game, if you're a baseball fan and just catch the city in general, highly recommend. Let's talk some NFL, though. This is really just the major headliners, you know. Uh, the NFL is a beast and, in my opinion, uh, uh, the number one sport in America. So we're always going to talk about it. And there's some pretty big headlines. The first one, Carl Lawson being out for the year. Big break for the Jets. Um, tough break, I should say, as he was definitely a big-time offseason acquisition for them and supposedly was tearing it up in training camp, which I would not be surprised because as a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, I've seen the things that he's done and how he's wrecked house in Cincinnati before. Everson Griffin back to the Minnesota. He said that he will apologize to Kirk Cousins. He had a controversial tweet that says Kirk sucks. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard to go back to the team when, when you, when you, you know, don't keep that in the locker room and you spread that out everywhere. Uh, but he is a key player for their team. So he will be back with the Vikings on a one-year deal. Uh, Robbie Anderson getting paid two years, 20, 29 and a half million dollars with 20 guaranteed. So really cool to see him get the paycheck. This guy I feel like always flies under the radar, uh, does put up good numbers. Uh, so good to see that he got a majority guaranteed and the Panthers like him. Sonny Michelle traded to the Rams. No surprise to me. Uh, as an Oklahoma fan, I know they have Stevenson. They also have Harris. Sonny Michelle's taking the back seat. And the Rams needing some depth after losing two running backs from last season. And also Darrell Henderson injuring his thumb. You just got to be you got to be protective. Uh, so they give up a couple picks to get Sonny Michelle. I wouldn't expect a lot of Sonny Michelle in, in L.A., to be honest, though. I think this is more of a depth move than anything. Travis Etienne out for the year. Really tough break. Excited to see him play with his former Clemson teammate, who was a, officially announced a starter today, actually, uh, Trevor Lawrence. But, yeah, tough break for him. Lance frantic surgery on his foot, which is never fun. Those are very lingering effects, especially as a running back. So tough start to his NFL career. You know, prayers up. Hopefully he recovers well and could play next season. Some more college headlines here. We have um, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC combining. They're joining, uh, from my understanding, only football this far. But with the SEC adding Oklahoma and Texas, these other conferences are combining to kind of compete, which leaves the Big 12 out as kind of the redheaded stepchild as they're not involved in this. There's no rumor of the Big Ten expanding. They're just going to partner up, and some teams within the different conferences will have your different uh, you know, different matchups. So a, maybe a Pac-12 team has to play an ACC team home and away, and then the next year Big Ten, things of that nature, which me living in Seattle, I'm not a huge Husky fan, but the idea of a Penn State, a Michigan State, a Ohio State, Michigan, those types of teams coming over into Washington would be an awesome sight and something that gets me excited as a football fan. Um, I've already talked about, I'm not a big fan of these big conferences uh, and all these moves recently, even as an Oklahoma fan, I'm not really pumped about the sec. I like the idea that you have to like vouch for your conference. It was a conference versus conference competition. And now it's just all about money. And you know, that's how football works. Um, the only fun thing is you're, you know, a lot of these teams in these conferences get to pay, play different competition uh, but I'm not too thrilled about it. And it pretty much gives them like a monopoly on even an expanded playoff field, which hopefully with the expanded playoff field, they do give some, you know, no what some la less power out of this conference in the SEC because they could probably debate every year that between these three conferences combining and the SEC, that is the field. So I'm uh, not super pumped about that, uh, but huge news. The college football landscape is definitely going to be changing. And I think that they had to do this right on the heels of the SEC announcement, but I'm interested to see what happens with the rest of the sports. You know, what do they do with basketball? What do they do uh, with other major college sports? So uh, to be determined, but definitely some, some major waves being made in the NCAA. I wanted to go over this list. They have a list of 
the top 100 players coming up for college football just to get us hyped up for some college football. You know, uh, my alumni is the, the Montana Grizzlies. I love the Grizzlies to my heart. I will talk about them on this podcast. I don't know about them as much when you're involved with the players, you're friends with the players, I'm working with the players. I knew so much about the team and was very invested. Um, the, the Montana Grizz haven't done as well of, as of late. And as I'm further separated with them, I don't have as much knowledge. But from the things I do see watching the games as much as I can, um, now that they're they're potentially be on ESPN+, Plus, I will dive into those. But um, I'm super pumped for college football, man. I mean, I just love football. And I, I'm excited uh, to be able to talk some college football with you guys. And I figured this would be an easy way to rattle of like things to, to watch out for. Because a lot of college football, the high-level teams are going to evolve around these players. Which, as an Oklahoma fan, no surprise, Spencer Rattler, number one. Um, I love this kid. You know, he he has had some temperament issues. Uh, he's had some maturing issues. And I think Lincoln Riley's been the right guy for him. Because it still lets Spencer be himself. But I've seen that he's definitely grown up and matured since he's been at Oklahoma. And he's got real talent. Uh, this kid is the closest to Pat Mahomes that I've ever seen. I do think he wins the Heisman. I put money on him winning the Heisman. Recommend you do so before the odds get lower. Uh, but I've seen this guy throw across his body effortlessly 60, 70 yards down the field. He can scramble. He's quick. Um, he just needs to get some more repetitions, play some high-level competition. Uh, but this guy is someone that everybody should be tuning in if you're a college football fan. Oklahoma does have a cakewalk of a schedule for the most part outside of Iowa State, which I'd love to go see in person because uh, that's in Oklahoma and Norman. But yeah, Spencer Rattler, definitely worthy of the number one spot. They have Derek Stingley Jr., a corner out of LSU. I don't know too much about him, but usually corners in the SEC, especially LSU team, make a difference. Uh, but they're definitely going to need their defense to step up this year if they want to have any hopes at making a run um, as their offense is definitely a new look offense. Kayvon Thibodeau, D-end Oregon. This kid is nasty. We're going to be hearing about this guy a lot. Um, you know, he's been one of the top-ranked players since I remember him uh, debuting in Oregon. Um, and Oregon likes to have speed, so he's definitely a speed edge rusher. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, be, don't be surprised if you hear his name quite frequently. Uh, we have Evan Neal, a tackle for Alabama. Alabama's got the big boys. We saw a lot of them get drafted even a little earlier than we expected in this year's draft. I'm sure they will manage that as their offense is usually uh, dependent on the line taking over games. Number five, they have Sam Howell, quarterback of North Carolina. This is one of the other Heisman favorites. Um, I like him. He has some sass to him. I don't know if I fully believe that he is going to be an NFL franchise quarterback. And a lot of the times when I tell you guys, I don't think he's going to translate to the NFL there's a couple different buckets. There's one, you'll get drafted. You'll never start. You'll never have an opportunity. Two, there's one where you'll get an opportunity. You end up like Jared Goff, maybe having a couple good years because your team's so good, depending on who you get drafted to. Obviously, if you get drafted in the earlier of the first round or early in the draft, your chances are lower because you're playing for a, a not as competitive of a team usually, um, like Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. But sometimes you get put in the right fit. You have some opportunity. You know, at this point, I'd say I'm sure he'll get an opportunity and he, and he might show some flourished moments. I just don't know if he'll last. Um, everything about quarterback comes to sizing. You know, there's been some players recently who have, you know, proved that wrong. Drew Brees has proved that wrong. Uh, but he's 6'1", you know, 20 years old, 220 pounds. I Like I said, he's got some fire to him. He's got some sass to him. I just don't know if I'm an NFL team or NFL fan that I'm like, hey, this is going to be my franchise quarterback. But it'll be interesting. This will be a showcase year to really do it in his junior season. And if you are a Big Ten guy, which, you know, I'm not a Big Ten guy, but they have some of the more powerful schools, the most fun schools, you know, predominantly dominant schools. And Ohio State's been on a run, you know, the past few years. So I'm sure you've heard of this guy, Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State. He is a senior. He had over uh, 729... 29 yards and seven touchdowns in a shortened year last year. But I'm a, I'm assuming this guy is going to be one of the better receivers in the league and a good reason to watch Ohio State, even though they are going through some new players and some big positions such as quarterback. Uh, number seven, we have Kyle Hamilton, safety for, uh, junior safety from Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame does this year. I'm not a huge fan of Notre Dame, uh, but I'm sure they will be a defensive first team. 
and we'll hear of Kyle Hamilton. Shout out more Big 12 guys. See, I love rooting for the Big 12 because no one roots for the Big 12. Now I don't give a shit. We're going to the SEC, and I, I don't think I could really root for the SEC. right? I'm just going to root for Oklahoma, so it kind of takes away from that. Uh, but Marvin Mims, man, this guy is an animal. He's a true sophomore. I really enjoyed watching him last year. We had some injuries on the receiver front, some guys getting suspended for doing not not cool things. And Marvin Mims took advantage, and he really flourished last year. And, you know, there's a reason he's number eight on this list. He's got strong hands. He's willing to take damage in the middle. He's not afraid uh, to take a hit. So uh, excited to see what he can do with Spencer Rattler this year. Brees Hall, number nine, running back for Iowa State. Uh, this reminds me a lot of David Montgomery, who's now in the NFL. He's had some struggles with the Bears. I think this will be his prove-it year. Uh, but Brees Hall is a stud. He could catch. He could run. He could do a little bit of everything. And he's going to be a big reason why Iowa State has a championship to compete for, for the Big 12 championship. It's the only team I'm worried as an Oklahoma fan. That's a, it's a big reason I want to go to their game. Uh, him and Purdy, it's going to be a good time. Number 10, a linebacker from Alabama, true sophomore, Will Anderson Jr. Uh, he's just a really dangerous pass rusher. He had 10 and a half tackles for a loss and seven sacks last year. Um, yeah, Bama, SEC, line, defense, that's usually their forefront. I'm sure we'll hear more Will Anderson. Number 11 is a D-tackle out of Clemson, Bryce Brees. I don't know a ton about him, but Clemson's always on the map. They always have BD, big D-lines. You could ask the Raiders. I feel like they've drafted the, like their whole D-line the past few years. Um, next one, I was a little surprised at his ranking, but Kadon uh, Slovis, the QB out of USC. Everyone's been super hyped on this guy. I'm just never very hyped in the Pac-12, and USC hasn't proven anything to me to really put them upper echelon. Uh, but Slovis is the real deal. Uh, I'm interested to see how he shows out this year and if he could put USA on the map in the Pac-12. A more common name, Isaiah Spiller, um, brother of ex-Spiller, NFL uh, college player. Um, he's CJ Spiller. He's an awesome running back, though. Texas A&M, you know, kind of a short, stacky bo stocky body. Uh, is willing to, uh, does a lot of um, yards after being hit initially. And, um, Plays for Texas A&M, uh, pretty big-time school. So I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow ends up in the Heisman race. Next one is a guy that I'm not too familiar with, and I'm an Oklahoma fan, so that's surprising. Uh, Bajon Robinson, running back out of Texas. Texas is going to need a legit running back if they want to have a chance in the Big 12, uh, let alone continue their recruiting as they head into the SEC. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how – how Steve Sarkeesian does at Texas. Texas is a huge question mark, but I'm sure this Robinson running back is going to be a huge key player in what they're doing this season. Next up, we have DeMarvin Leal, the DN out of Texas A&M. Um, another Texas A&M player, DN. He's 6'4", 290. Um, don't know a ton about this guy, but um, will be interesting to see how Texas A&M does this year. Let's see, 2021 college... Football AP rankings. I'm interested to see where Texas A&M is. I haven't looked at the rankings in a while. I know they keep updating them. This can't be right. Yeah, AP poll. Preseason top 25. This has got to be outdated, though. Let's just go to the AP. AP themselves. So Bama 1, Oklahoma 2, Clemson 3. Obviously, we've already heard about players from there. Ohio State 4, Georgia 5, which is kind of ironic, again, with the playoff only being four teams. The, it, it's usually out of these five the past, what, three, four years? Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Right outside of that, though, is Texas A&M. Uh, excuse me. At 6, and the team that I'm rooting for outside of Oklahoma is Iowa State at 7. Rounding out the top 10, we got Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. So again, you're not too surprised that these teams are ranked high. We've already talked about through the top 15, a few players on their team. Number 16, uh, kind of an interesting shocker here. Former Auburn quarterback Malik Willis. He's a QB of Liberty. Liberty had quite a run last year. Let's see. Are they in the top 25? They shouldn't be. Yeah. Let's see. Did they get any votes? Yep, they got 36 votes. So they're not too far from being 25 in the top AP. And 
Let's see. I doubt their schedule is worth a shit. It's hard to say a schedule um, in this conference, whether you even look at the teams or not, if it's going to be any good. But they play Troy, Syracuse, UAB, North Texas, UMass, Ole Miss, Louisiana, who's ranked right now, and Army. So, yeah, I mean, they come through there. They'll have an opportunity being ranked in the top 15 probably. And Malik Willis is going to will that team. So worthy to check him out. And you like watching games. There's not a big-time game on yet with a Ohio State or a big name like that. Check out Liberty. This guy is going to be a show. We have Kenyon Green, offensive guard, Texas A&M. Another player from Texas A&M. They now have a guard, a D-end, and they're running back. So uh, watch out for Texas A&M this year. We have Matt Corral. Coral, I believe is how you say it. Uh, he's a QB from Ole Miss, uh, junior. He had a pretty good season last year. Um, I'm interested to see how he could do in the SEC. It's very tough. He potentially could find himself in the um, Heisman race if if the squad can pull together, but I usually don't have that much faith in the Ole Miss because the SEC is savage. Another wide receiver from Ohio State, junior receiver Garrett Wilson. Um, he had over 700 yards last year and six touchdowns. He's going to benefit from Olavi on the other side, so it'll be interesting to see how that offense does. It's all going to come down to that QB play. Then there's Cincinnati's quarterback. No wonder they're so high in the rankings. Desmond uh, Ryder, he is uh, a senior quarterback. He's 30-5 and five as their QB. Um, you know, Cincinnati typically does have an easier schedule. Let's pull that up. You know, they were the team that was trying to debate last year that they should be in. Their toughest team, Indiana, Notre Dame. That's a big game, Notre Dame. But then it's like SMU, South Florida, Tulsa, Tulane. So a um, couple big games to prove a point, and they'll all be living within Ritter's world, Ryder's world. And then we have a new quarterback, Bryce Young, the QB for Alabama. I mean, this guy is going to be all over the headlines, as is Alabama. That's what happens when you sign up there. Um, but he's going to be fun. He was a five-star prospect, obviously. I doubt <laughs> Alabama ever doesn't get a five-star prospect at quarterback. Um, but yeah, uh, they have championship expectations and it's all going to live and die by Bryce Young. We have John Mechie, the third wide receiver from Alabama. Pretty big name. Him and Jalen Waddell uh, really had big years last year. Um, and once Waddle went down, Mechie really stepped up. I'd expect him to have a big year in his junior season. Another Bama player, LB uh, linebacker Christian Harris. Don't know a bunch about him, uh, but just gives you another name for freaking Alabama. Then the 24, JT Daniels, QB of Georgia. I, I don't know, man. I ha I'm not fully sold on JT Daniels. I think he's a little bit better version of AJ McCarron, if that rings a bell for you as a college football fan. Um, but this is going to be a big season. This is a make it or break it season for him. Um, you know, Georgia has a legit team, and we'll see how he could do in the big time moments, big time games. I'm sure he's going to have a stacked schedule. Georgia's got Clemson, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Missouri. So not an amazingly tough schedule. They get through Clemson more feasible, but it's still the SEC. So, um, yeah, he, he's going to have his work cut out for him. Then we have Miles Murphy, DN Clemson, another defensive lineman. Clemson, like I said, I'm not surprised. Don't know a lot about him, but... They say that he made his presence known as a true freshman. So as a, in his sophomore year, I'm sure there'll be big impacts. Uh, next one, 26, a corner from Cincinnati, another Cincinnati player, Ahmad Gardner. Uh, this will be his junior year. We have a running back from Auburn, Tank Bigsby. Uh, his true sophomore year. I was honestly pretty impressed with him his uh, freshman year last year. He had um, 122.4 all-purpose yards per game. He won the SEC Freshman of the Year honor, and I think he's going to be a big piece for Auburn to make a run. Uh, definitely a guy that you'll probably uh, come across uh, through some college games and we'll hear of quite frequently. Next up, first-year starter for Clemson, DJ Ugulele. I think that's how he pronounced it. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's got big shoes to fill after Trevor Lawrence. Uh, people have high expectations for him. Uh, and already putting him in the Heisman candidacy. So it'll be interesting to see how DJ can handle the pressure under the big uh, bright lights at Clemson. And then a uh, older quarterback, senior Brock Purdy from Iowa State. I talked about him earlier uh, when I was talking about Hall. I really like him. He's very scrappy. He's very gritty. He reminds me a lot of Ian Book from uh, that's in the NFL now. 
I believe, on the Cowboys and uh, played for Notre Dame. Uh, but he's just like a pure college quarterback. He runs, he takes hits, he'll throw. Uh, he's got high-level IQ. Is it going to translate into the NFL? I don't think so. I think that's why he's playing again this year. I think he will get drafted and go on a team. I don't think, though, like the North Carolina uh, quarterback, that he's going to have a lot of opportunity. Next one, DL uh, D lineman from Ohio State, Haskell Garrett. Then we have a QB of Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall. Coastal Carolina, when I was in Montana, my, I believe my senior year, it's their first year making playoffs and then the FCS. The kids had never seen snow before. Very controversial game, but uh, Coastal Carolina ended up winning that, and I realized some of the NFL talent they had a couple years later, but they've done really well since moving up to the FBS. Uh, you know, I'm not too surprised with how they performed. So this first-year starter, Grayson McCall, the quarterback, is going, you know, that's the captain. A lot's going to run through him. And I'm interested to see how Coastal Carolina does. I always root for them in Appalachian State because I wish that was the Grizzlies that had made those moves. And they have a pretty easy schedule um, as they're in the Sun Belt. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see them lingering in the top 25 most of the year. Outside of that, we have Tyler Linderbaum, offensive lineman from Iowa. His junior year, uh, they usually have great linemen. He's a junior player, so he's not inexperienced. Then we have Dylan Gabriel, QB of UCF which it's funny because I saw somewhere um, that the year that UCF had the amazing year and that quarterback broke his leg, he's now trying out for a larger school. So insert Dylan Gabriel. Um, we'll see how if US, UCF can keep competing. Let's see, what's their schedule look like? They're in the American, so again, nothing too amazing comp competition-wise. But they play Memphis, Navy, Louisville, Cincinnati, who's high up there. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear more about Dylan Gabriel, um, this year. We have Kayshawn Boodle, wide receiver, LSU, another SEC receiver, Eli Ricks, 35 QB, uh, cornerback of LSU, another LSU defensive player, senior transfer, uh, Derek King of Miami. I believe he was the first guy to get the first, uh, income based once NCAA allowed players to get paid for their name. Um, but yeah, this guy's a lot of fun to watch again, another NFL quarterback, probably not, but he's the full package. He has some Lamar Jackson in him. Uh, he's going to be a blast to watch and makes Miami worth watching. Next up, we have Nick Benito, um, outside linebacker slash DN. He's a little hybrid, uh, Oklahoma. He's going to be massive for Oklahoma. The reason I think they could win is the defense and guys like Nick are going to hold that fort down for Grinch and squad. Uh, but you can put him both places. He's a quick edge rusher. And um, I think he could really, really, really show out this year um, and get an opportunity to go to the NFL draft. 38, Josh Joby, DB, Alabama. Another defensive SEC player. Justin Ross, wide receiver, Clemson. This is the guy that had the amazing freshman year that we all thought was going to go to the NFL with Lawrence and just show out. Uh, but he missed last season with uh, some spine issues. They labeled it as a congenital fusion in his spine. Uh, but he's been cleared to play. I expect big things. This guy's a true speedster. Uh, he, he has great hands. He's got a high IQ. Um, so his junior year, I'm assuming, as long as DJ, their new quarterback, can can show out, that we'll hear a lot from Justin Ross. Number 40, Kair Alam, quarterback, Florida, junior year. 41, Tyreek Smith, DB, Georgia. Um, the DBs from Georgia have been doing really well in the NFL, getting drafted. So this will be a big name. We have Jalen uh, Weirdemeyer, tight end, Texas A&M. I do remember him a little bit. Not too familiar, but another A&M guy. So A&M with a lot of names this far. We have Malachi Moore, DB Alabama. Yeah, I heard a lot about uh, Malachi last year. and It was only his freshman season. This is a sophomore year. Um, he did miss some games, but this guy is super hyped up and I'm sure will be the next, you know, backfield cornerstone for Alabama that will be making splashes and headlines. Fun Big 12 running back here. Deuce Vaughn running back from Kansas State. How the hell is he only a sophomore? I feel like I've heard of, seen this guy many a times. Uh, but he's fun. I always like the small running backs. You know, it's a typical college back. Very hard hard to bring into the NFL. Uh, but he's only 5'6". He uh, led K-State in rushing with 642 yards and 434 yards uh, receiving. He was the Big 12 freshman of the year, so he's going to be a lot of fun for Kansas State. 
We have Indiana's QB, Michael uh, Penix Jr. He's a junior. Indiana's making some moves. I think we said they're in the top 25. They're ranked 17 right now. Running back from Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, 46. Two uh, Notre Dame's back-to-back. Then you got Michael Meyer, tight end, in his sophomore year. So some offensive weapons for Notre Dame. You have Henry Tooto, uh, linebacker, Alabama, junior. Another just, you know, Alabama's whole defense is probably on this list. We have Thayer Munford, offensive lineman, Ohio State. A wide receiver from USC, Drake London at 50. Let's see, Charlie Kolar, tight end, Ohio State, Iowa State. Charles Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. Adrian Hutchinson, DL, Michigan. Ty Freifogle, wide receiver, Indiana. Uh, I remember him just because he's got an interesting name. This is his senior year, uh, so it'll be a big, big weapon for Indiana if they try to stay in the rankings. Have Muhammad Ibrahim, running back, Minnesota. This is his senior year. He's a Big Ten running back of the year from last season. He had over 1,000 yards of 15 touchdowns. I always like Minnesota. I love their colors. Um, but, yeah, this guy's a beast. I'd expect him to have a, a big season for Minnesota. Linebacker, USC, Drake Jackson, 56. Tyler Davis, DT Clemson, another Clemson D lineman. I'm telling you, DC, I don't know. Clemson's like the D line, D line U. They just recruit amazing D linemen. Right after him, Xavier Thomas, DN Clemson. That Clemson D line, watch out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Bretton Cox, junior linebacker, Florida. Uh, this is his junior year. Kingsley Inagabear, linebacker, South Carolina. Tyreek Smith, DL Ohio State, another Ohio State. Brandon Joseph, safety, Northwestern, his sophomore year. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, tight end, Alabama. I remember him. This is his junior season. It's another Bama guy. I kind of was shocked about this ranking, but um, he did opt out last year. Uh, so Kennedy Brooks running back. This is his junior year because he opted out his sophomore year. Had a really good freshman year. I think this guy is going to be the guy for Oklahoma this season. I know they got a Tennessee transfer, and he's supposed to, you know, people are just talking a, a lot about him. But this is Kennedy's shot to, to prove to the NFL that he, he, he's worthy of a draft pick. Oklahoma's had amazing running backs, and with the weapons on offense and having Spencer Rattler, Kennedy Brooks about to have a big year. Malik Cunningham, QB Louisville. Um, this will be his junior year. He took over the starting role um, two years ago, so this is his third year as a starter for Louisville post uh, Lamar Jackson. LeBron Ray, DN Alabama, another defensive uh, player for Alabama. 67, Darian Kennard, offensive tackle, Kentucky. Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. Kevin Harris, running back, South Carolina, his junior year. Uh, Jerion Ely, running back, or just athletic player, Ole Miss. Swiss Army Knife. George Karlaftis, DL, uh, D-lineman in Purdue. Dante Stills, D-tackle, West Virginia. I remember him. Uh, this is his senior year. He's been there for a while because West Virginia has been a decent team the past few years in the pack, uh, Big 12. Travius Hodges Tomlinson, corner out of TCU. George Pickens, wide receiver, Georgia. This is his junior year. Uh, Taiwan Mullen, corner from Indiana, another Indiana player. Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. Utah's always got good defense, so no surprise. Uh, Smoke Monday, safety, Auburn. O'Shawn Mathis, DNTCU. Reggie Robertson, wide receiver, SMU. This is his senior year. Um, uh, he, he almost didn't come back this year, so big win for SMU. Tony Grimes, corner, North Carolina. 81, we have Jack Sanborn, linebacker, Wisconsin. He's a senior, defensive leader. They always have some a stud defensive leaders. Obviously, as a Steeler fan, you know, the Watt family, definitely um, having major impacts there. Uh, but, yeah, they have a lot of good guys that come to the NFL. Jack Sanborn, I'd expect to be one of them. Another Ohio Iowa State player, Mike Rose, linebacker. Zay Flowers, receiver, Boston College. Will McDonald, the fourth, DN Iowa State. Another Iowa State defensive player. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone, linebacker, Texas. This is his senior year. Um, he moved from defensive back to linebacker last year and uh, finished the year as the defensive MVP of the Alamo Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see how he could shore up Texas's defense. 
Another QB, Jaden Daniels, QB, junior year at Arizona State. Um, he's been a starter since uh, a true freshman. He's definitely had flashes of enormous potential. This will be the year to prove that he could do everything and put it together. Um, his IQ has been a little questionable, his decision-making, but the talent's definitely there. He's one of those new-era hybrid running back uh, quarterback or really good running quarterbacks with speed and has just crazy arm strength. Pac-12 fans, Arizona State fans, yeah, they're, they're going to have a lot of pressure on this guy. Jordan Davis, uh, guard from Georgia. Grant Morgan, linebacker, Arkansas. Cade Oten, tight end, Washington. I live in Seattle. They have pretty goddamn good tight ends and corners. I wouldn't be surprised if he did well, as he was a first-team All-Pac-12 last year, and, it, and uh, it's going to be a big year for him his junior season. Zamir White, running back, Oregon. This is his junior year. He tore his ACL before uh, both a tore ACL in both of his knees. So coming off some major injuries, that's probably why he slipped a little bit. Jackson Kirkland, lineman Washington. Um, Trent McDuffie, DB Washington. Again, those defensive backs and corners in Washington, they've been putting out. So watch out. Another Cincinnati player at ninety three, Majai Saunders, D end. Um, running back receiver for Texas A and M, Aeneas Smith. Another uh, Texas A&M player. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. This is Penn State's first player on the list. Kind of a shocker. Uh, Tyler Goodson, running back, Iowa, his junior year. C.J. Verdell, running back, Oregon, junior year. Johnny Johnson, the third, wide receiver, Oregon. So a couple Oregon guys, a little Pac-12 love. Then at 99, we have a D-tackle out of Oklahoma, senior year, Isaiah Thomas. Again, it's all about the defense for me for Oklahoma. If they can... You know, slow down some of these big-time teams. Their schedule is pretty much of a cakewalk, but getting into the you know playoff, they're going to be playing an SEC team most likely or Ohio State, which Ohio State better you know, cross those fingers. That ain't the case, but or Clemson. Uh, but Isaiah Thomas is going to have a big role. Osiris Torrance, offensive lineman, Louisiana at a hundred. So I know I just kind of just rambled through a couple of those guys. I don't know everyone, uh, but a lot of those guys are going to make impacts. You, you know, you look at the AP rankings, no surprise. We heard a lot from Alabama, a lot from Oklahoma, a couple Clemson, quite a bit from Ohio State, quite a bit from Georgia, quite a bit from Texas A&M, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Oregon, right? So um, no surprise. The rankings definitely change a lot throughout the year. I would feel like college football is a lot harder to predict uh, because there's just a lot of freshmen that are coming from high school versus the NFL. So I'm not going to try to do that. But I'll give you guys updates like I did if you're an OG Business of Bucket fans back in February, January, and March when I was covering uh, college basketball. We'll go through the rankings from what I see. I'll talk to you who's overrated, who's underrated, who's making moves, and, and we'll have some fun with it. Um, but that's it for football. Next week, we'll have a full NFL segment, a full NCAA segment going over, like I always do, the past week's games, the next week's games. And then um, Caesar prediction time, man. Lots of pressure. I really want to show you show you guys and know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, give some fun NFL deep dives. But let's change gears and let's talk fights because the fights are always here. And I love me some UFC action. So in the fight world, there was a few updates in the Ultimate Fighters. We have the Ultimate Fighter finale this weekend in the UFC. All the, the champions fighting. Not the actual coaches that got pushed back a little bit till September. But uh. Gilbert Urbina is now in the Ultimate Fighter finale for Treshawn Gore, as Treshawn Gore had a meniscus injury, so he had to pull out. But Dana White was impressed with what he saw and said he will give an op him an opportunity to fight in the UFC um, uh, post-recovery, so that's great to hear. Amanda Lemos versus Nun Nina Nunez's book. That's going to be a fun woman uh, uh, scrap, as this is Nina's second fight back since having a baby. Elsewhere in another promotion, Alistar Overeem still fighting. He is going to fight the heavyweight champion in glory. Um, so that he's going to throw down and get back in there. Uh, he's come from glory before, so uh, still has some competitive juices left in him. We also have a, another banger alert. We have Nico Price versus Alex Oliveira. That's going to be a lot of fun. Good little scrap. And then um, supposedly, I don't think this is really official, but... Damian Maya and Jimmy Rivera are no longer signed by the UFC, so they are free agents. I doubt Damian Maya gets to go anywhere. There's been rumors of him trying to even get grappling matches. 
A little shocked about the Jimmy Rivera thing. He's had some really good fights, fought some very tough opponents lately. Uh, I was hoping he would be a good opponent for uh, the Sugar Show, Sugar Sean O'Malley. But, uh, yeah, best of luck. Hopefully he could find somewhere to get on his feet if he does want to continue fighting. But let's recap last weekend's card. Uh, I watched a little bit of the card, but I was at the Padres game, so I didn't catch a lot of it. I recorded it, came back home, and watched the fights. Uh, but, yeah, ESPN card. It was another uh, evening card. And the first fight we're going to talk about was probably the fight that I expected to be fight of the night and didn't quite get that chance, but was a good fight and a great showing nonetheless. Alexander Pantoya with the second round submission via rear naked choke over Brandon Rodog Royval. Um, I like both of these fighters. I think they're going to be, um, you know, really just kicking ass, taking names in this division, in the flyweight division for quite a while. Uh, but Pantoya now is, you know, right there up for a title shot. And uh, has beaten the champion Brandon Moreno twice, so that's going to be fun. Had the the, the nicest um, call out ever as he gave Brandon Moreno Moreno a lot of props after the fight. Um, but yeah, this fight started pretty wild. I thought it was going to be fight of the night, like I said. But Pantoya's goal clearly was not to strike with Royval; it was to get him to the ground. He had three takedowns. He had two submission attempts. One that he finished. Um, but that's now two wins in a row for him. And I expect a title shot to be to Askar Askarov. I think, you know, Askar's beaten Pantoya. I think he's the next guy in line. But, you know, if the timing's right, they might give it to Pantoya. Uh, but I would expect Askarov to be ahead of him. So I'd have to, I'd expect him to have to wait a, a little while to take the fight. And if he wants to fight before that, because it might be a while, um, I would assume a Davidson Figueredo rematch would be in the store as Figueredo's still looking for a, a dance partner. And he actually beat uh, Pantoya. Uh, in the summer of 2019, but I don't know if Figueredo wants that fight. I, I mean, who knows what Figueredo is going to do at this point. Roy Valdo, he is now on a two-fight losing streak, uh, but against the best in the division. I'd love to see him fight Joseph Benavidez or Rogerio Bontorin. Uh, those would be very good quality opponents in fights, but a lot of fun things happening in the flyweight for a division that they almost killed off. I like a lot of these fighters and talents, and, and th this was a good fight. I did pick Pantoya, so I got that one right. I was one fight of winning for my parlay, which was this next fight. Parker Porter, unanimous decision over Chase Sherman. You know, this fight started like Sherman was going to wax Porter, but then Porter got him to got it to the canvas. He was tiring him out. Chase seemed lassadaisical throughout the fight. Um, it was just kind of an interesting fight and in, in how the, the tables turned. Uh, Porter was able to land 159 total and 149 significant strikes. Versus Chase's 121 total and 117 significant. He also had a takedown. So this now puts uh, Porter on a two-fight win streak. I'd love to see him against old Greg Hardy or Marcos Lima, some big men. I mean, Parker's a pretty big heavyweight, but he was moving good. He had good head movement. Let's see what he can do against some upper-level uh, competition. Sherman has now lost two in a row, and he's in a tough spot. He's going to need a victory. He's got to find, figure out a way. I'd love to see him against maybe Jake Collier or Justin Taffa in the division. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, brass tacks time for him. Uh, he's really going to have to find a way to, to get a dub in his next fight. Then we had the co-main. We had Clay the Carpenter Guida um, versus Mark the Olympian Madsen. Mark was able to get the job done via split decision. And this was a hell of a close fight where both fighters had to dig deep. Guida landed 72 total and uh, 70 total and significant strikes versus Madsen's 101 total and 98 significant. You know, with the idea of Guida turning 40 uh, in this December, I don't know if there are a lot of options left for him. I believe this is the last fight on his contract. Uh, he has lost three of his last four fights. And if I were a betting man, I'd assume Guida wants to fight again. Uh, he actually looked pretty good. I was still impressed. Uh, but sometimes you have to protect the fighter as he has had a bajillion fights and he's taken a lot of damage. So um, when, when that's the case, you never want to put a guy in, a, in an unhealthy situation. Let's look. What his record is. His record was mind-blowing. I remember them announcing like, holy shit. At 36 and 21. I mean, he's had a lot of freaking fights. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, but he's a true vet in the sport. Um, he's a cardio machine and he gave Madsen a run for his money, which Madsen's a great story. He's had some, some family issues with his wife, with his dad, 
Um, you know, he went through jaw surgery, then got COVID. He's gone through a lot of shit. He's had a tough way in the UFC, but he's now 3-0 since entering the UFC and is undefeated. Um, a fight against Jeremy Stevens or Bobby Green would make sense, but I wasn't that impressed with him. He has like that Greco-Roman style because he's a Greco-Roman Olympic wrestler where he's trying to keep Clay Guida very close. Clay gets super sweaty. He goes crazy. He wasn't able to do so, uh, but his striking wasn't very impressive. Uh, he didn't take Guida down like I expected. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'm too high on the guy. But as an Olympic champion multiple times, I know that they put in the work ethic. So if he could get his striking figured out, he's got to move his head more. Uh, he's got to have better flow. You know, he might he might have some damage, but he's an older gentleman at uh, 36 years old. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. And then the main event. And what a fucking fight this was. I went back and forth. I originally picked Kelvin before I came on. Then on the show, I picked Jared. And when I picked him and I was going over the preview with you guys last week, I almost wanted to pick Kelvin again. Uh, but the Killer Gorilla coming away with the unanimous decision versus Kelvin. An amazing showing by both fighters. This fight delivered and went damn near exactly how I expected. Striking-wise, this fight was almost identical. Jared had 91 total and 81 significant strikes. Versus Gastelum's 89 total and um, 89 total and significant strikes. Jared was also able to score the knockdown. How Kelvin's lights did not go out, I'm still fucking mind blown. This was a straight shot. Kelvin, you could see whiplash, eyes closed, sits down, wakes up, and he's crazy. Every time he gets knocked down, it's like the gym or the canvas shocks him and he just shoots right up. It's like a, a springboard. Cannoneer now starts a winning streak after losing to Robert Whitaker who's very high level, uh, but he'll stay at number three as well as Kelvin staying at number nine. They're not knocking him for that loss. Um, he would technically be in line after the Robert Whitaker rematch, uh, but he said that he's broke, which I believe he wants to fight, you know, needs to stay active. So the only fighters in the rankings outside of the possibility of the title is Jack Hermanson, who Jared beat in September of 2019. So that doesn't make a lot of sense unless he takes someone like 10th or lower unless he wants to wait for Brunson Till. But in that case, why not wait for Robert? Is he? I don't know. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely kind of in a purgatory stage, but hopefully he could get back out there. And then on Kelvin's side, I mean, brutal loss. He's lost five of six against just straight dogs, though. I'd love to see him get back in there for a Herman Sidney rematch. You know, he's available. Uh, or the winner-loser of Vittori Costa. I think he should get the winner of that, but because of his skid, I'd assume he'd get the loser of that. Um, but yeah, he stays at number nine. He's still a dog. He's only 29. He's got new coaching. He looked great. Uh, I'd expect him to come back more than ever as he's just now in his prime. So that sets, sets us up for not a crazy deep card, but if you're an ultimate fighter, fun card, UFC on ESPN 30 this weekend, typical seven o'clock, uh, main card start time, uh, seven o'clock Pacific, I should uh, confirm. But we have, uh, one of the guys that lost in the, in the house in the ultimate fighter house, that was a very high pick that was thought pretty highly of. They have Andre Petrosky, 30-year-old fighter who's 5-1, fighting a UFC new signee, Michael Gilmore, 34 years old, with a 6-3 record. These aren't UFC records. These are professional fighting records. Petrosky himself was a top pick for Team Ortega, and he came from the LFA, which is pretty high level. I see a lot of guys that do well in the LFA come to the UFC and, and do fairly well. Uh, but he lost that fight in the LFA. Uh, Gilmore himself is coming from the WXC and has fought in multiple promotions re multiple promotions recently and is on a three-fight win streak. I liked Petrosky. Uh, he kind of got caught in that fight. I think he's going to get the job done here, and I, there's a reason Dana White picked him in the house to have an opportunity uh, to earn a UFC contract. And then we have Kevin, the Motown Phenom, back in action. Uh, Kevin Lee, the Motown Phenom, 28 years old, with an 18-6 and six record. It's crazy how good him and Kelvin are, and they're still so young. Uh, versus Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez, 34 years old, 15-2. and two. Kevin had a different opponent, but then Daniel took in on short notice. Uh, Lee has lost three of four, but against very good competition, much like Kelvin. And he is just entering the prime as he enters the welterweight division now. So he's in a new division. He has a three-inch reach advantage. He is an orthodox fighter with a wrestling background while Rodriguez is on a two-fight win streak as a southpaw fighter, and he trains out of the BMF ranch with Cowboy Cerrone uh, with a Muay Thai background. I think this is fight of the night for sure, uh, but this is a redemption fight. 
if um, Kevin wants a chance to push up the title in the welterweight division, he needs to get through Daniel. And if not, it's going to be a tough reality for him. I think Lee looks for the takedown early to tire out Rodriguez because he is a very good striker. And he finishes the fight either as a submission or, or on the feet as he grinds him out. Very close fight, though. I'll put this on the parlay. Mark that down. Let's get that bread. Outside of that, we got Ricky Hadouken Tarisios. I call him Tricky Ricky. Uh, he's 28 years old with a 10-2 and record versus Brady Bam Bam Highstand, the 22-year-old fighter with the 5-1 and record. We talked about these guys a little bit as I talked about Ultimate Fighter the past few weeks. Um, but these are both underdog fighters that made it through the Ultimate Fighter. The fighter I liked most was injured. Uh, Brady ended up beating him. But yeah, I mean, Ricky's crazy. I believe his striking and, and cardio are better than Brady's. Um, and I think that um, he's going to try to keep Brady at distance. He did win his last fight uh, and trains out of Team Alpha Male. While Brady is a wrestling first uh, type of guy, he trains with Michael Chiesa in Spokane. Has a pretty similar style. He did win his last fight. These are the professional fights before the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, but if he can get Ricky down and keep him down, I think he definitely has a chance. I mean, he is a. Once he gets you down, he's going to find a way to get the job done. I just don't think he could get Tricky Ricky down. Um, so I am going to take Ricky in this fight. But Brady has been the underdog and defeated two vets, one of which he's trained with in Spokane. So you can't count him out. But I'm taking Ricky. Put that on the parlay. Mark it down. Let's get that bread. Then we have Brian Pooh Bear Battle, 26-year-old fighter with a 5-1 record versus Gilbert Urbina, the 25-year-old fighter with a 6-1 record. Very bummed about Treshawn Gore, but I think this is the better fight. I think Treshawn would crush Brian Battle, and I think this makes it a lot more fun. Um, Battle is on a four-fight win streak in different promotions outside of the Ultimate Fighter. Gilbert won his last fight outside the Ultimate Fighter, but then got steamrolled by Treshawn. Uh, both fighters are very young and raw, right? Obviously, with their age, very young and raw, a lot like Brady. That's why I didn't pick them. Uh, but they're improving. I've seen them improve so much since watching The Ultimate Fighter. And this is going to be a very close fight, a fun fight. But I got Gilbert as his brothers have gone through The Ultimate Fighter. He's got that just killer mentality behind him. And I think he's mentally prepared for this. And I believe he has enough tools in the shed to get the job done. Plus, this is a second chance. You can't let that go to waste, especially if you want to fight in the UFC. So I'm going to take Gilbert Urbina, mark it down, put it on the parlay, and let's get that bread. Outside of that, we have the main event, which is you know, what makes this card really run, just like the uh, Killer Gorilla, Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gaslam fight last week. We got Edson Jr. Barboza, 35-year-old fighter, one of my favorite fighters to watch. 22-9 and nine record with the number 9 next to his name versus Giga the Ninja Chikadze, 32-year-old fighter with a 13-2 record and is the number 10 next to his name. Well, Barboza's on a two-fight win streak since joining the featherweight division. He has a very mixed background with a black belt in Taekwondo, a brown belt in BJJ, and a black Pajid in Muay Thai, and he also has a kickboxing background. Giga himself has a background in uh, Kajori Ryu Karate and kickboxing. He came from the Gladiator series, and he's on an eight-fight win streak, which six of them are in the UFC. So this is the stiffest test, and it's a big fight because Barboza is ranked and is way tougher right now than Cub Swanson, who was Giga's toughest test in his last win. Uh, so I'm going to take Barboza. I think he finishes Giga in this fight. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, a, a must-watch Mark it down on that parlay. Let's get that bread. So not, you know, not crazy cards the past few weeks as we wait for another, you know, UFC pay-per-view. Uh, but up next, next Saturday, not this Saturday, but next will be an earlier card headlined by the banger of Derek Brunson and Darren Till. Probably more excited about that. F I don't know. The Jared Cannonier Kelvin fight, pretty similar to this one. I am excited about the Barboza fight, but I think it's more lopsided. But Darren Till, Der, uh, Till, Derek Brunson is going to be an amazing fight. I can't wait for that. But it is an early card as college football is back in action, and I'm, I'm assuming they're competing for resources there. But let's talk quickly about the NBA. Not a lot of headlines, not a lot going on, uh, but there was some, some contracts, and the schedule came out. 
So we have Terry Rozier getting extended for four years, $97 million. Why they did that, I'm not 100% sure, but he gets the, he gets the, he gets the bag. And then the Time Lord, Robert Williams, getting a four-year, $54 million extension. This one makes more sense to me. He does fit with the team. That's a pretty team-friendly contract. But with all the guards that Charlotte has, um, yeah, I don't know. I like the Robert Williams contract more for sure. Uh, Jason Richard, ex-Heat, ex-Mav, also signs a year extension with the Celtics. Uh, Clay Thompson is expected back, back for Christmas which isn't quite the start of the season, but big, big news for the Warriors. So th things seem to be going well. And then Mike Budenholzer gets a three-year extension with the Bucks. There was rumor that he would still get fired because he was about to get fired before they won the ship. Uh, but he, he got the bag too, three-year extension. So bravo, Mike Budenholzer. But let's talk a little bit about the NBA schedule. There's some fun games coming up. There's some, there's some rivalry games because every year in the NBA, as we've been talking on free agency, players go to different teams. And there's always those redemption games. But early on in the season, there's some fun openers. We have the Nets at the Bucks, October 19th on TNT. Gotta love those TNT games. That's gonna be a must-watch as the playoff rematch happens. And I'm assuming the Nets will be healthy. We got a little battle in LA. We have the Warriors at the Lakers that same day. Uh, that'll be part of that TNT doubleheader. So lots of star action there, even though Klay Thompson will not be a part of the team at the time. Um, we have Mavericks at Hawks as we get to see that's October 21st on TNT as we get to see some young superstars, Luka Doncic, um, Trey Young, Ice Trey in action after this offseason, see how much they improve. Uh, that same day on TNT, you got the Bucks versus the Heat, another Eastern Conference from two years ago rematch, big time matchup as Kyle Lowry is now a part of the Heat team. That opening week, we got Nets versus Sixers to see how the Sixers can do, you know, whether Ben Simmons will be there or not. Uh, you got Pelicans, Bulls, lots of young talent. Alonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. Um, Lonzo be will be going against the Pelicans. And then, obviously, you have Zion, Zach Levine doing the damn thing. Uh, we also have Suns versus Lakers, Western playoff rematch. And then some rivalry games. The, the can't miss playoff rematches. You got Nuggets. You got Suns. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Hawks versus Sixers. That's not quite as fun to me, but still a big game. Uh, Mavericks Clippers. It's a huge game. Watching uh, PG. Watching uh, Luka. I doubt Kawhi will be back in that time as this is November 21st. In December, we have Suns Clips. Western Conference. Clips Jazz. That's huge for me in December. Got to get that. Got to get that win. And then um, Suns versus Bucks in February as well. And then there's all the big headline games, right? Lakers. You got Lakers Blazers in November. Lakers Bucks in November. Lakers Clippers December third. Uh, Lakers Nets January twenty fifth. Towards the latter half of the season. You know that's what the media wants is the championship. Some reunion games. You got the Heat versus Pacers. Victor Oladipo signing that one year. He gets to face the Pacers on October. Uh, we have T-Wolves versus Clippers. Pat Bev now part of the team. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll be emotional and be spouting out a little bit in that game. Uh, we have Knicks versus Celtics in December. Kemba Walker back in town. We'll be interested to see how, how he does against the Celtics or if he even cares. Uh, Nets versus Spurs. You got Patty Mills. He just kind of bounced on the Spurs, signed with the big-time team. Uh, you got Bulls versus Spurs with DeMar DeRozan getting uh, some, some love against the Spurs. You have Nets versus Warriors in January. Um, you know, that's always going to be fun with KD, Draymond Green. Miami Raptors in February. Kyle Lowry's redemption game. Uh, Lakers versus Wizards March 19th. I don't really know if this is much of a redemption game because does Russell Westbrook really care about the Wizards? I don't know, but his first game against the Wizards is March. And then, um, obviously, some rookie love, right? We got the October 20th Pistons Bulls. Get to watch Cade Cunningham in action. Uh, Jalen Green in action October 20th as well. Rockets versus Timberwolves. And then um, the battle of the top picks. 
You got Pistons and Rockets, November 10th. Would not give a shit about that game if it wasn't for this. But you get Cade versus Jalen Green, which is a little bit fun in Summer League, and there was definitely some competition to be had. And then um, the Raptors versus Warriors in November. You got Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes, some high-level top 10 picks. But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, uh, I started looking at my favorite team, the Utah Jazz's schedule. They have some fun games down the stretch. They have some fun home games, uh, potentially catch some road games. Hopefully Portland allows fans so I can go, uh, as I could see them playing Portland as early as December. So the NBCA schedule's out, get you hyped up. Probably won't be talking about them for the next two weeks as we have until October for the season to start. Well, let's wrap up with some MLB action. Um, Things are getting spicy. Teams are creating separation. Some teams are staying alive. Uh, so, you know, some some headlines around the league. Yadier Molina getting extended and is reti- announcing his retirement after next year. I thought about pulling him up and talking about it, but he's still got a year, so we'll talk about him more um, next year in his last year. But, you know, this is a cornerstone player that is known for being great defensively, great offensively, a leader in the clubhouse. So it's going to be a bummer to see him go but excited that we get to have a little bit more Molina in our life. Uh, Lindor is back for the Mets as they try to make a run in the wild card, uh, potentially the division. They stunk in his first game back as they got blown out. Uh, But yeah, not looking good for the Mets, even though they got Lindor back. Miguel Cabrera finally cracking 500. I saw some quote from someone on Twitter talking about it's crazy as much as Miguel has done for the league, how little love he gets. I think a lot of that has to be with him playing in Detroit. But, yeah, I mean, give let's give this guy all the love. 500 home runs is no joke. Uh, he almost did it against the Angels. You know, thankful he didn't. Uh, but this guy is a real deal. Holyfield, he beat Mike Trout out in an MVP season because he got the triple crown. Uh, I think he got the triple crown twice, actually. Let's confirm that. That's crazy about today's world. Back in my day, you couldn't just confirm everything. Now it's like, oh, is that the case? I don't know. Let me confirm it. Cabrera has how many triple crowns? Well, just one. He was very close to having it the second time, but I think Mike Trout beat him out that year. And then Eduardo Escobar hitting the IL for the Brewers. Tough loss for them as they're battling out come playoff time as well. As we scope the league, we look at the standings. Nothing too crazy has happened since last week. But the Yankees are up two and a half on the Red Sox, which the Red Sox have been cooling down pretty hard. And the, the Red Sox are in the wild card up one game on Oakland, uh, three games on Seattle. Mariners still lingering and four games on the Blue Jays. So Blue Jays, Mariners still alive. Uh, Oakland trying to let it slip from them, but so are the Red Sox. So it'll be fun battle down the stretch. The Astros are three and a half up on the Athletics for the AL West, so they don't hold a huge lead. Alex Bregman's supposed to start back today, so that's a big uh, addition back to that lineup. Uh, the Braves are up four and a half now on the Phillies, six and a half on the Mets. They're running away with the division, which they had not been the lead almost all year. And then the Giants falling down a little bit, but two and a half up on the Dodgers to have the lead there. And then in the NL wild card, the Reds are one game ahead of the Padres. The Cardinals are four and a half back. The Phillies five, the Mets six. Crazy that the Reds have it above the Padres. I had so much fun in San Diego. I would definitely go back for a playoff game, especially since I won some cash to sponsor it. So let's go Padres. Last weekend's matchups. My Angels getting swept by the Indians. They were on Sunday Night Baseball. I watched it on the beach. I was hyped. It's a Little League classic. And they laid a freaking egg. The Indians swept the shit out of my Angels. Yeah, I like... I, I don't bring them up a lot because they're not worthy, man. They're, they're not worthy. Um, Otani's worthy. That's about it. But hopefully Trout comes back. They make a little run just to make things interesting. The Rays beat the White Sox in a big AL fucking gladiator matchup. Two to one. The Rays keep on winning, man. The Astros beat the Mariners two to one as expected. The Giants beat the A's two to one. Big NL West battle of the Bay action. Um, the Dodgers beat the Mets three to one damn near four games, swept them. And then the Phillies beat the Padres two to one. The night I went, I saw the Padres win, uh, Nola 
Yeah, the San Diego Padres game. Got to see Nola with an ace. Damn near perfect game through the seventh. Um, with the ace showdown against Joe Musgrove. So I got to see the best pitching matchup. And then uh, my bet was extra innings in the ninth. The Padres were down three to one. They hit a two-run homer to bring it to extra innings. So that was a freaking blast. Uh, this weekend, not a lot of big series. A lot of the bigger team, you know, the teams that still have uh, championship hopes are playing during the week. But this weekend, we're set up for Red Sox, Indians. We have Giants, Braves, big NL battle of divisional leaders. And then Yankees versus Athletics as both teams are right, literally right neck to neck in the wild card race. Um, so, yeah, that's it for uh, MLB news. I uh, wanted to bring up a non-story story. As a sports journalist, this is a big story. But Max Kellerman is going to be out at first take. Looks like ESPN is going to do specific shows for him as um, supposedly him and Stephen A. Smith having you know some sort of beef or don't want to work together. Um, so, yeah, you know, Max has become a big, big name in the ESPN world. I, th- I thought that was definitely a little bit of a surprise. Um, but, yeah, episode 41 in the books. San Diego was amazing. Uh, shout out Denzel. Love you, my man. And uh, thanks for Fueled Supplements for keeping us going, keeping the lights on. We'll see you guys uh, next week. I'll be putting out uh, my Dakota best friend, Dakota DeJarles, owner of Hammer Straits Construction Business episode. I'll be putting NFL predictions out. We got that action coming at you. See you guys next week.